serving a goal-setting God and allowing God to fill our hearts with his dreams and visions for our lives that maybe, maybe up until this point you've been somewhat, even as a believer, dismissive over. And it's so important that you not take that dismissive posture towards the idea of hope. Everybody say hope. Today I want to talk to you about hope. And just how important it is, and I want to turn your attention to a passage of Scripture in the book of Proverbs chapter 13. Several years ago, I was at a place in my own life and in my own spiritual journey where I had just come off, uh, I'd just come off a, what I thought was maybe one of the biggest mistakes that I'd ever made, and I just felt stuck. I wonder if there's anybody else that's ever just kind of felt stuck in life. I, I felt like I wasn't making progress. I, I, I just felt like... I wasn't moving forward, and I felt like maybe this mistake, or at the time I thought it was a mistake. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I can see that God was still working, even in what I considered to be this mistake I'd made. But I just felt like it had kind of paralyzed me, and I wasn't moving forward like I wanted to in God and in ministry and in life. And God gave me this word. Uh, I wonder if, if you've ever re- really received a word from God that you knew was just a word from God. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. The term word in the English Bible, when we refer to God's word, it comes from one of two Greek words, either the word logos in the Greek, which speaks of the spoken or written word, or the word rhema, in the Greek, which goes beyond just the spoken or the written word. A rhema word from God is a word that lights you up on the inside. It's a word that opens your eyes to things you've never seen before, you've never known before. And this was a rhema word for me, and I want to share it with you today in light of this whole idea of being a goal-setting church and a church filled with people that will dare to dream great dreams for God. And I want to share aspects of that kind of that rhema word that God gave me so many years ago. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. God wants the dream of your heart to be fulfilled. And when it is fulfilled, when that vision God's given you comes into fruition, you just need to know it's going to be like a tree of life for you. But it's so important if you ever are going to see that dream come to pass that you don't let go of your hope. To hope is to keep the end in sight. It's to see what others can't see. Something that God has deposited divinely within your life that allows you to see something before you, again, that nobody else can see, but you can see it. And you know that God has directed you towards it. Last week, we introduced the passage there in Hebrews that says it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. That joy set before Jesus was the dream of reconciling mankind to God. And it was that joy set before Jesus, that hope that he held on to, that allowed him 
to bear up under the cross, and the same will be true, true for you and me. If, if we're able to bear up under the crosses that we're called upon to carry in this life, it will be because of the joy set before us. And it's hope that's going to set that joy before you. So today, again, to hope is to keep the end in sight. You see, hope is the blueprint that faith uses to build dreams into reality. I'm going to say that one more time. Hope is a blueprint. Before this building was ever built seven or eight years ago, we first had to draw up blueprints. Can you imagine building a house with no blueprint? Can you imagine what that house would look like? If you didn't have the specifications right there before you that would ensure that everything was measured right and the materials were right, if you didn't have that blueprint, it'd be a sorry-looking house that you built. And yet some people are trying to build a life before God with no blueprint because they've let go of their hope. The Bible said hope deferred makes the heart sick. The term defer is not really a word we use very much in daily conversation. But to defer something is to put something off or it's to lay something aside. The Bible said, if you let your hope be taken off, if you let somebody take off with your hope or if you lay your hope aside, the Bible said it'll make your heart sick. Now, the word sick that we translated there in the English sick is from a Hebrew word and the word literally means to weaken. So when we allow our hope to be laid aside or we allow somebody to, to take off with our hope, what happens is our heart is weakened. Now remember Romans 10, 10. You guys don't mind if we study the Bible, do you? Romans chapter 10 and verse 10 said, it's with the heart man believes. It's with the heart man believes. And when hope is laid aside, it weakens your potential to believe. There's a, a scripture in 1 Corinthians that I think many of us are familiar with that says these three remain, and it's describing three of God's great virtues. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, I don't know how your mind works, and I don't know how you study the Bible, but you're going to get a little glimpse of how my, my mind works and, and how I study scripture in this message today because I'm constantly breaking down what's stated there in God's word because I want the full grasp and understanding of it. So when I see a passage that says these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, my mind immediately goes, what's second greatest? Y'all think like that? What's second greatest? And we would, I think, assume that second greatest would be faith. If God says love is the greatest of these three virtues, then I think we probably would assume that second would be faith because after all, faith is believing. And the scripture says it's impossible to please God unless you believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Belief is so important, so faith must be the second greatest of those virtues, right? Right? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I came to church to chat. If you've been thinking like that... I came to church to challenge you on that because the truth is hope gives your faith something to believe in. Can you see today why I'm telling you, don't let go of your hope. God has birthed a hope in your heart. He's given you a dream, a vision. 
You can see yourself accomplishing something to his glory. And you must not let go of that hope because it's that hope that gives your faith something to believe in. And hope actually provides a blueprint that your faith uses to build your dream into a reality. Because we had the blueprints, we were able to build this building that we're sitting in right here today. And because you've got the blueprint of hope within your life, if you'll just hold on to it, your faith will have something to build your dream into reality. Hebrews 11.1 said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. In fact, it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith works in the now. It is the substance of what we hope for, and it works in the now. So if someone carries my hope off, my faith can't work. Because faith works in the now. When hope is deferred, it weakens our faith, and it weakens our ability to believe. And that's why I'm telling us today, in, in this whole idea of keeping the end in sight and being that dreamer God's called you to be and, 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 and having those goals and going after those goals to the glory of God, hold on to your hope. And I, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes on how to keep the end in sight. Uh, let me begin by sharing a passage of scripture with you that might be the important, the most important of all the Psalms. And it's the very first Psalm. It may be the most important of all the Psalms, and it's right there. Psalm chapter 1 reads like this, starting in verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Wonder whose advice you've been following this week. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners. Who you've been standing around with this week? Or join in with mockers. Oh, the joy of those who don't join in with mockers. Stand around with sinners or follow the advice of the wicked. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Does anybody in this room wish your life was like that? Well, let me tell you, your life will only be like that if you don't follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. If you refuse to do that and if you delight in the law of the Lord and you meditate on it day and night, then the Bible said you're going to be like a tree planted by the river. Remember, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is like a tree of life. Going after those dreams in our hearts, going after those things that God has put within us in the way of vision will result in a tree of life. And I want to get into the effect that's going to have on your life here in just a moment. But I want to break down Psalm chapter 1 with you and I want to talk to you about how to keep the end in sight based on what we've read here. Let me, let me first though just mention that when he says we shouldn't be standing around with sinners... I think that needs to be clarified. The term sinner in the Bible, we typically have all kind of things that come to mind when we think of sinners, and it's usually everybody else, not us, come on, <laughs> right? But we think of, you know, man, some drug addict, some, some thief, uh, someone um, who's cheated on his wife, 
or cheated on her husband. And we, we, that's, that's what we call to mind when we think of sinners. You know what the term sin really means? It just means to miss the mark. That's why we're all sinners. That's why we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. Come on, y'all. We've all come short of God's best, haven't we? And that's what God is warning us about here is our association with, with folks who constantly miss the mark and, and, and have, have no desire to do any differently. They're perfectly content to go on missing the mark. God said, don't surround yourself with that kind of people. So let me, let me just mention a few things here. If you're going to keep the end in sight, number one, you've got to avoid people that don't believe in your dream. Can I say to you that, that, that this vision God has deposited within you is sacred. It's too precious for you to surround it with naysayers and people that are going to treat it with contempt and go, oh, man, who do you think you are, right? Don't let yourself be surrounded by people that don't believe in your dream. The truth is the scripture says hope deferred makes the heart Sicker, it weakens the heart. The term defer and the term differ have the same root and origin. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the person that differs with your dream is the person that will try to defer your hope. So you can't surround yourself with people who don't believe in the dream that God's placed within your heart. Do you remember? I told you Jesus came to this earth with a dream of reconciling mankind to God. And at one point in the Gospels, he's sharing that with his closest friends, the 12 disciples that he's, that he's surrounded himself with. He, he's sharing with them, I'm going into Jerusalem. I'm going to be falsely accused. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And you remember what Peter did? Peter said, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen. And do you remember how Jesus responded to Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter a, a devil. He just recognized who was behind Peter's attempt to defer his hope. And we need to recognize the same thing. Those naysayers, those people that say it'll never happen, those people that say you're not capable of doing what God's called you to do. Listen. Their criticism, their doubt, their unbelief has been inspired by the demons of hell. We can't afford to surround ourselves with that kind of person. Second thing Psalm 1 tells us is that if we're going to keep the end in sight, we've got to hold on to our dream. Somebody tell your friend right now, say, hold on. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, you've got to hold on to your dream. Don't let sinners counsel against it. Don't let sinners stand in the way of it. Don't let sinners mock it. We live in a very cynical world. Anybody that dares to step out of the mundane ordinary and believe something big is going to happen is going to be criticized by this cynical world. They will cut you up, come on y'all, and spit you out. They'll, they will put you in your place and say, who do you think you are? That's what Joseph's brothers did. You remember the story of Joseph there in Genesis chapter 37, God's given him a, a dream. And in his dream, all of his brothers are bowing down to him. And Joseph believes that God has shown him at some point he's going to be a ruler of some kind. It's not that he's wanting to hold power and sway over his brothers. This isn't pride coming up in Joseph's heart. This is a dream coming up in his heart. And his brother said, who do you think you are? And they're mad at him about it. 
They're angry with him. They're going to be angry at you too if you dare to dream. And they try to put him in his place and they, and they criticize him and they find fault with him. And just know it's what happens when you dare to dream. But hold on to that dream. It's a tree of life when it comes to fruition. It's a tree of life for you when you see God bring it into fruition. Number three, allow your dreams to govern your actions. We talked about this just for a minute last week. And I want to revisit it here in this context. You need to let the dream of your heart govern the actions of your life. You see, Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 said, where there's no vision, where there's no dream, that the people are unrestrained. You may be here today living a very unrestrained life because there's no vision holding you on course. The Bible said where there's no dream, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. When you let your dream, the vision God's birthed in you, actually govern your actions, they become, it becomes the law you live by. It governs your choices, your decisions. It governs your spending. It governs your habits. It governs your schedule. It governs all of it. You are not living an unrestrained life anymore. You're letting the dream propel you forward in very specific ways. The Bible said you're going to be happy. You're going to be so happy. And you're not going to be like that crowd, living unrestrained. The fourth thing I want you to see the psalm tells us in Psalm chapter 1. We have to avoid people who don't believe in our dreams. We have to hold on to our dreams. We have to allow our dreams to govern our actions. And then number four, we have to delight and meditate on our dreams. Can I just ask you, have you been doing that? Has your dream, has your God-given vision so possessed you that you just think about it? You just think about it. You meditate. It's a delight. You find yourself sometimes kind of chuckling out loud when you think about what it is in just a short while that God's going to have you doing. Am I the only one here that you've been meditating on your dream? Can I tell you something? Can I let you in on a little something? I saw this auditorium before the first beam was ever erected. I saw it. I saw it in my spirit. I saw this stage. I saw thousands of people coming into this auditorium every week. I saw productions at Easter and Christmas that would literally draw 10,000 people. I, I saw it in my spirit before we ever even broke ground on it. I'd already seen it. Y'all, I would drive up some mornings before anybody else got here, and I would sit out in that parking lot, and I would look over here where we were going to build this building, and I would just look it over. I'd just take a walk through this building. I'd walk right up here on the stage. I'd preach to you a little bit in my spirit. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. We got a building to worship in, don't we? Call me crazy if you want to. Call me crazy if you want to. I'm crazy enough to believe my God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. If you just dare to dream, if you hold on to your hope, I'm crazy enough to believe. I've been walking next door in the old building. You ought to see what I'm seeing over there. In just the last three weeks, we've been talking to architects. We've got a, 
We've got an organization out of Tampa, Florida that works with Disney and all the big companies. It's called Wacky World Studios. And, and we've, been, we've been talking about getting our blueprints together to convert that old building into a children and youth space that is going to blow your mind. I'm telling you right now, it's going to blow your mind. We started dreaming along these lines over three years ago, and then the economy fell out. <laughs> the bottom fell out of it. And, and so we're just now kind of back at that place where we can pick that thing back up, man, dust that thing off. And, man, I've just been walking through that building. I wish you could see what I see. Your kids, they're going to bug you all week long. We're going Sunday, huh? We're going Sunday. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. All the little Disney heroes they have, they're not even going to be talking about them. The Frozen Girl, you're never going to hear that song again. They're going to be singing the songs that are associated, these characters that we're developing, all these environments that we're going to have, adventure kids, these kids that are 11, 12 years old that becomes the hero and the heroines of all of our little boys and girls that they look up to and they aspire to be like, that are strong in their faith and do great things for God. And we build the confidence in your children. They can do anything. They can do anything that God puts in their heart. I'm telling you right now, I'm possessed. I'm possessed by these dreams that I meditate on day and night, and I delight in them. I just sit around and go, it's going to be awesome. I know y'all think I'm crazy. (laughs) Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 said, write the vision. Have you done that? Write it. Make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. Can I tell you something about your dream? You need to make it legible. Because people are going to need to be able to get it. Because your dream is too big for just you to fulfill. You need to know a God-sized dream will always be too big for just one person. Because God's always trying to get us together, isn't he? And so you need to be able to make your dream legible because God's going to pull some people on board with your dream and you need to be able to explain it so they can run with it. They're going to help you to bring that dream into fruition. So today, listen, when you meditate on your dream, when you delight in your dream, that's one of the things you want to do. Write the vision down and then begin to assemble that team that's going to help you bring it to pass. I got to wrap up. I'm running out of time. I'm not running out of message. I'm running out of time. Can I just say this to you? Keep the end in sight, and it will result in dreams fulfilled. I know that because it's been my life, and I give God all the glory. Listen to me. I give God all the glory. This is not Jeff boasting on Jeff. This is Jeff boasting in Jesus. I have seen God bring one dream after the other, one vision after the other to pass. Uh, now, listen, I still, my heart's still full of dreams. My heart's still full of things that I know God wants us to do. I may be a papa. I may be Pastor Poppy. But this old man still got some dreams to fulfill. And, and I've watched the dreams as they come to fruition. I've watched how they've blessed on and I personally. I've watched how they've made us a blessing to others. And I'm telling you, your dream will do the same. It will result in a tree of life within your existence. What does that mean, Jeff? I'm so glad you asked because I, I wanted to tell you. It means three things. Number one, it means they're going to make you fruitful. Fulfilled vision makes you fruitful. Anybody here want to be fruitful? You want a life of, 
of fruitfulness. You know, I told you last week, one day, even as believers, we're going to stand before God. We're going to answer to God for what we did with this life. And I don't know about you, but I want something to lay at his feet. What I've discovered is it's the dreams he puts in my heart as I bring them to fruition by his grace that leaves me with something I'll one day lay at the feet of Jesus. A dream fulfilled becomes a tree of life in the sense that it makes us fruitful. Listen to Jesus. John 15, verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. You know, a lot of times, the last thing we think of when we think of dreamers is discipleship. We think of dreamers as being flighty, just kind of leaves blowing in the wind. Not God dreamers, not God's type of dreamers. God's type of dreamers are very disciplined. Their dream becomes the law they live by. And they bring that thing to fruition and they're discipled in the sense that they, they're, they're disciplined. They're disciples in the sense that they're disciplined to, to, to do what's necessary to see that dream become a reality. And that's what glorifies the Father. Disciples are dreamers. Dreamers are disciples. Number two, how does my fulfilled dream become like a tree of life for me? Number two, it preserves us. I told you, even as a poppy, I'm still dreaming dreams. I'm like Caleb. You remember Caleb in the Old Testament? He's one of two men out of 12 that was sent into the promised land to spy it out, and they came back with a favorable report. We are well able to take this land. The other 10 spies said, we can't do it. It's too big. There's too too many of them for us. But Caleb and Joshua said, we're well able to take the land. Everybody else now has died off. Everybody else is buried. Joshua and Caleb are still living. And I want you to hear Caleb in Joshua's book, Joshua chapter 14, verse 12, verse 10 through 12. Listen to Caleb. In this In this twilight season of his life, he's still dreaming great dreams. Listen to him. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 40 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old and I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and I can still fight as well as I could then. Caleb said, so give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. 85 years old and still claiming his mountain I'm looking for. Some dreamers, maybe even in that twilight season of your life. You may be 60s, 70s, even 80s or 90s, but you still got that gleam in your eye. People think you're crazy too. You got that spring in your step, and you're walking around saying, God, give me my mountain. I'm looking for some dreamers like that in this crowd. A dream fulfilled will preserve you like that. And lastly, number five, it'll make you prosper. A dream fulfilled will make you prosper. It'll prosper you in ways you can't even imagine. Can I just say this? And again, listen, to the glory of God, let me say this. Donna and I have got to see things, meet people, go places, and enjoy things in this life we would have never experienced if we let go of our hope. 
If we'd not gone after the dreams God put in our heart, we wouldn't have not near about what God has blessed us with, but we dared to dream. And that's why I'm crying out to you today. Come on, dreamer. Don't let go of your hope. Listen, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know the passage. God said, I know the plans that I have for you. You may not have plans for your life, but God's got plans for you. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And they're plans to prosper you. When that dream comes to fruition, it's going to prosper you. God said, I'm going to give you a hope. I'm going to give you a future. I wonder if there's any dreamers in this room. Would you let God know you're still ready to dream? Come on, let him know. I'm not letting go of my hope. Come on, dreamers. Glory to God. 